Hi, and welcome to Rescuing Churches. If you love pastoral life, ministry, and church revitalization, this is a great place to join the discussion about why the local church matters, how we can help the ones that are in decline, and be an encouragement to their pastors along the way. We'll even get to hear stories from special guests about what God is doing in the church at large. This show is hosted by two guys who serve the local church and is for everyone within the local church. Thanks for tuning in today. Let's go. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Rescuing Churches, where it is always a great adventure discussing church revitalization and pastoral life. Learn more at 614ministries.org. My name is Josh, and that's my dad, Stan. Hey, everybody. We are thrilled to be joined today by several of the pastors and ministry leaders who were able to attend our Research Shepherd Summit pastoral conference here in Mobile, uh, where we had guest speaker and author Carl Vader's speaking there and just he did a fantastic job if you guys want to trek back into the show notes on any of our previous episodes with him um, you can check out his resources his website crawlvaders.com and check out all of his books and things like that great ministry assets there and i'm going to let my dad introduce several of our guests who are here today yeah so we're blessed to have a number of guys with us from the summit who were part of it and each one had a, a specific or a special place uh, that encouraged me. I uh, got to meet my new friend, Dwayne, uh, out of Tennessee. Dwayne, tell us where you're from. I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah, and Christian and Missionary Alliance Church. Yes, sir. What's North River. Church? North River. North River. And uh, since my original roots out of Bible College were Christian and Missionary Alliance, that was an excellent connection for me and a great memory. And uh, David, coming out of Albany. I'm David Cromie, uh, Albany, Georgia, Faith Baptist Church. Amen. Good little ministry there. And Pastor Paul? Yep. Lake Wildwood Baptist Church in Macon, Georgia, right in the middle of the state. Paul Jettle, have no idea how to spell his last name. And then Colin Campbell is with us as well. He partners with 614 and helps us with our discipleship. And Colin is from where, Colin? I'm up here in Cookville, Tennessee, halfway between Knoxville and Nashville on I-40. Right. Right. And doing a lot of good discipleship there. So, uh, guys, we're going to we're going to just talk for a few minutes about some of the things we learned at the summit. And with Pastor Carl in his early introduction, he was trying to give us a little fresher perspective and a new perspective, maybe for some of us, or at least a refreshed perspective on the local church and the small church. All of us pastor small churches, uh, not large ones and yet sometimes and that makes us feel sometimes like we're failing or struggling when in reality that's actually pretty common uh, more common than not and pat um, carl did a great job of explaining a bunch of that it comes out of his book grasshopper myth and uh, some really good information there so we were uh, going to just discuss some of the things that we learned there pastor paul i'll let you uh, share what you were talking about just a minute ago because that was really rich yeah uh, carl said something um I want to say it was in his book, but then he said it again. There's something about hearing it in person. That when you go through trauma, which is really the proper word for what this last year has been, um, 
your logic centers don't work. They go dark. So you don't, you, you like lose this, a trauma causes you to lose this ability to think your way through stuff, but, but you can still feel and, and you can feel a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and he talked about, we know that fight or flight tendency, but he said, there's a, there's a third F and that's freeze. And boy, whenever he said that, just for the first time since all this craziness started, like something made sense to me. Right. Like, that's me. And then he talked about the state is kind of stages of grief, but when you get into trauma, you get stuck and instead of a stage, it's a place that you're camping out. Right. And like he's talked about depression. And when he said depression and freeze, I'm like, that's right where I've lived really for the last three years. Hmm. Um, starting when we lost our house in a fire and then my right. dad got real sick and walked through a horrible time with that, uh, with his ultimate death. And then right on the heels of that COVID, it's been one thing after another. So Hearing him say that just just helped me to say, okay, maybe there's maybe I'm not entirely crazy, and maybe there's some kind of normal in all of this, and maybe it actually might at some point be all right. Right, that's good. It's almost like the perfect storm for you counting your house. It's just it's just hope is, is what mm-hmm. you can boil all that down to. Maybe there's some hope here, and we're going to finish this thing well, and one day climb out of that. Well, it's good. It was very 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 helpful not right. what i expect right well Dwayne and, and david did you receive any of that as well do you, you remember uh those early moments in the early sessions in the conference uh, where he was talking about some of that large church small church stuff uh what did you take away from some of that i think one of the things that going a different direction from what paul did um he had a session that he called your church is weird Yes, and you know when he first said that it's like well you know yeah um but he did a very nice job of taking why the statistics of group dynamics don't apply to the small church i think every small church pastor has come away from big conferences or whatever where the well-known pastors have presented their uh, models and we've run home and tried to implement it in our church and we're frustrated because it doesn't work exactly and he took that, the just the science of statistics, and talked about how the smaller your group, the less those statistics or those models apply. And the smaller your group, the more unique your group is because it's so dominated by the personalities that are in it. So my small church is completely different from the church down the street, way different from the big churches. And that's why I have to be more contextual in my church understanding my people and what works for them. And so it, it did a couple of things that helped me understand, okay, yeah, that's why these things don't work in my church. And it also gave me permission to say, I really do need to know my people and what is, what is uh, beneficial for them. That, 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 to me, that was, that was freeing. Well, that's so good. I think, so uh, good. you know, for, for me, when he was talking about, the big church principles centered on process systems mm-hmm. and programs. Mm-hmm. That's the big church. And, you know, coming out of Sherwood. Yeah. That's how, how we operated. And then uh, when I became pastor of faith about uh, three years ago, um, you know, the big stigma was, is that, was I going to bring Sherwood's ideas to faith? And how I long, the how church long were you at Sherwood, Dave? How, how, how long were you there? 
about 10 years. Okay. That's right. I remember us, I remember us talking about that and yeah. Yeah, that's a long time to spend in that world and, right. and it, then to it, have to, it, and then to have to go down to the smaller. <laughs> right. And so, so when I came pastor at faith, you know, three years ago, you know, one of the things that was that, uh, that the church was worried about that I was going to bring Sherwood's ideas and things to there. And, and I assured them that I said, Hey, what Sherwood does is unique to Sherwood. And I said, we, we have to know what we do as faith. And so he talked about, you know, small church principles centered on relationships, culture, and history. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I didn't realize, uh, I was doing that process. Uh, when, when I came pastor of faith, I came into, uh, a broken uh, relationship where they needed a shepherd. So I came in with that shepherd type heart and building relationships and that nature. Also being sensitive to the culture, you know, me being, I think the sixth pastor, um, I mentioned a few times that, you know, I'm building on the foundations of the other pastors Mm. and uh, uh, upon that. And, uh, and, and then also understanding their culture and, 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 you know, where Carl came, came across was that once you get that down, understand that, then you can move the culture ahead. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's where I'm at right now. Right. I, you know, I've done those three things. Now I'm trying to move the culture ahead. And for me, uh, Stan and um, Josh know is to move this culture into the 21st century because mm-hmm. we're they're still operating in the eighties and nineties mm-hmm. uh, operating uh, systems and all that. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we're, I'm at that wall now where I, we got to move. And right. if we don't move, we're, we're not going anywhere. Yeah, that's good. It's really good. You know, one of the things that, that, that triggered for me, David was, was one of the things Carl talked about also was when you go to a church that's really wounded or really struggling, um, you have to soften the soil for a long time before you can actually see seeds planted and produce fruit. And a lot of these young pastors or middle-aged pastors that think they just want to be, they want to jump on a church that's struggling and we're going to revitalize right away. And we got all these, we've read everything that Tom Rainer does. We've read all the Carl's that we've read all this. So we're just going to jump in and put all these programs in place, it doesn't work that way. People's mm-hmm. hearts and every church, uh, back to Dwayne, what you said, every church has got its own specific identity and and its own weird identity. I was thinking when he said that how weird our church is. I even told our church Sunday, we are a very weird church. Mm-hmm. But but every every church has its own specific identity like that. Um, and, and to plant the seeds, to, to, fer, to work the soil, it's like a farmer working soil. You got to know the soil and you got to begin to work on it slowly. And uh, I was really encouraged by that, that it helped me with some of the churches that we're beginning to work with, uh, one right here in our own town that's really struggled. And I thought, man, we've got a lot more softening to do. I was kind of getting in a hurry to go, let's get somebody in there. But I'm like, ah, we got to we got to just keep softening the soil, softening the soil, softening the soil. We got to take more time with it. So that was really helpful. Pastor Colin, you have any uh, memories of those first couple of sessions and something that triggered for you? Yeah, I think I think for me, the the encouraging part was just realizing the unique personality of each small church mm-hmm. is an asset that God can and will use uh, to be a strength. So it's 
you know, it, it's not that uh, anybody left Sherwood and had to go down to, to serve in a church. He, he may have been promoted in God's economy. You know, it seems like less is, is more. And the least of these are the ones we should seek out if we love Christ. So it, it just helped me understand that the value goes up when we're in a small church ministry. Uh, at best, it stays the same. But but more more likely than not, it actually goes up. That there's a generation that's looking for more of a mom and pop shop experience. That they're looking for a little cafe on the corner that's unique, that has a character and personality and that, that, you, that it's there's a genuine sincerity to the small church experience that big churches just can't replicate. It doesn't mean the small churches are better. Uh, it, it just means that they're different. And so instead of one trying to be like the other, they just need to ask, how do we do what it is we've been called to do? Which again goes back to the Great Commission, and that is discipleship. So th that was encouraging to me. It was also encouraging after those first two sessions, my 15-year-old sophomore and high school daughter turns to me and goes, wow, I never realized how important small church ministry is. Mm -hmm. She had already she had already bought into the concept that the more people that are in a congregation, apparently, the more God has blessed that congregation. And that simply is just not the case. Exactly. Exactly. Very good. Very good. Well, guys, that's really good feedback for us. And and uh, I love the the fact that the majority of people in America that go to church go to a smaller church. Um, we, as a small church pastor for years, you're thinking people are driving past you to get to the big church, which is why the big church has, you know, 1200 parking spaces. But in truth, the majority of people are driving past the big church to find the smaller mom and pop churches, the family oriented churches that they can be connected with. And I'll just, testify as a 60-year-old man, the wow factor of the big box stores, Lowe's, Home Depot, and whatever it is, Costco, the wow factor of all that has long since, I, when I was younger, that was the coolest place on the planet, but I will quickly find now the local Ace Hardware guy or a local hardware store that, you know, Billy Bob knows my name, and and he can, it's going to cost me an, an extra four dollars to go there, but I don't have to walk seven blocks, seven city blocks around the building trying to find a something. Amen to that. Like with the refrigerator today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So like a few <laughs> seconds before we launched this episode. <laughs> yeah, we, we bought a refrigerator. So, wow, that was entertaining. That was but, a, a horrible experience. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just fascinating to me how at my age now, I really do long for the small hardware stores and I'll keep an eye out for those. And I do it with restaurants. I'm not, right. I'm not a big chat. Now I love there's a couple of big chains. You got to try it every once in a while. But, but when I can find that mom and pop restaurant, that's got the specialty and it's just the whatever meat and three thing I'm all in on that. And, uh, and I love supporting them, but I also just love the atmosphere there. It's a, it's a personal thing. So yeah, Stan, one of the things that stood out to me early on was when he talked about as small church pastors, we are specialists in, uh, shepherding, mm -hmm. which is what people are looking for today. And and we can so easily see ourselves as less than because we're not specialists in the management and all that stuff right. like right. the big church pastors are. But but there is an art and a skill and a specialty to being a small church pastor that pastors should be, can I use the word, proud of uh, yeah. and not seeing themselves as diminished or less than because of it. Right. 
Dwayne, is there, let me, let me ask you, Dwayne, is there any encouragement you would give to a small church pastor that you think is struggling in that area as seeing himself as, as less than, or I'm just not making it, or I'm, I'm doing all this work out here for nothing in the middle of nowhere. Nobody's seeing it. No good's coming of it. Cause I'm surrounded by big churches on every side and every corner. What kind, what would you say to that pastor? Yeah, and I think there are a lot of small church pastors out there that are exactly there. Oh yeah. Um, right. I, I, one of the things I guess I would say that I, to them is the same thing I say to myself mm-hmm. is that I am making an individual difference in the lives of specific people. That's right. And there is no telling how far that um, impact is going to go uh, because I've been able to invest deeply in a couple of people and those people then continue to invest in others and others and others. We're making a big impact. It's just that we aren't going to see it necessarily today. Right. And we can't write it on a report that our denomination is going to go, oh, cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, yeah. then, and you're, you're not going to see the numbers on some sheet of paper. It's an investment for eternity. You may never see it this side of heaven. Right. Right. I have a good friend up in uh, Virginia that's constantly reminding me. I discipled him as a young boy and he's all grown up now and got a family and, and all. But he's constantly reminding me at, at, at my church, uh, which is a small church, that I keep training up these elite young men and couples to go do ministry somewhere else. And he's like, man, you're like the special forces of, of small church ministry mm-hmm. stuff. And I, and I've started thinking through what that really means. And you, you know, when you watch these special force teams, the guys that go take out the big names and protect our country at insane levels, when they come home and they get off the, they get off their planes, they get off the tarmac and they go to their rooms and they lay down. There's no big fanfare for them. I mean, later on, somebody may make a movie about them or may not, but, but really in the, in the moment of it all, it's just, it's what we do and we're good. And we, the six of us went, you know, way deep behind enemy lines and took care of this and came back. And I think a lot of times a small church pastor has a, has a, a lot of that going on in his own heart and life. He's, He's taking care of this small elite group of men and women that are spiritually in a battle and they're mm-hmm. gonna they're gonna take care of some other guys down the road and help some people. So I really like that, like that. Just to piggyback on that, you know, I'm I'm not a I'm not a pastor right now by profession, but I am by function. In the in the church where I attend, my wife and I uh, reflect regularly on the flock within the flock that God has entrusted to us. And we could say, well, what does that matter? It's a handful. It's a handful of families. Well, I can tell you it matters to each one of them because Mm -hmm. when they're in the hospital, it's not our senior pastor necessarily who's in the hospital room with him. I mean, he might or might not be there, but when I walk in, when my wife walks in, there is this, oh, there they are. Like we're the, we're the front lines for them. Right. And mm-hmm. that's and that's shepherding. meaningful. And, and so, yeah, in, in those shepherding skills, <clears throat> we're we're meeting them in their pain and there's dignity in that. So, yeah, you can say we can be proud of that, not in the sin sense of pride, but in the dignity sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of pride. And I think that our culture, American as it is, and I love our country, but our culture sometimes equates. Well, you can't have dignity unless you have thousands in your congregation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I walk up to first time visitors in our church and, and, and I know that I make people cringe, but I tell them, I say, listen, we're glad you're here. We want you to feel welcome, but we don't want you here unless God calls you here. 
we don't we don't want you here unless you're going to be an asset to the team so please pray about it and ask not just what do what what does our church have to offer you but what do you have to offer the body of christ here what part are you bringing to the to the team and and you know it's so funny i give feedback regularly after a year they go yeah you kind of shocked us with that kind of that, that welcome but you know, we knew that if we needed somebody to level with us, that you would be that guy who would who would say the things that need to be said. Oh, it's good. It's good. I think I think for most of us, we we practice shepherding uh, by nature by gift the gifting of the Lord in us to be a shepherd, and we forget how valuable it is because we've been doing it for a long time. And you're right, Dwayne. I think sometimes we look at those management skills of the bigger church leaders and 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 it's almost like it's, it's not, we're not good enough, but in reality, um, we're this elite force that's very necessary in the body of Christ. Very, very, very necessary. Um, let's talk about some practical changes um, or some practical implementations that you may have come away with um, as we talk to these other pastors and try to share with them uh, some of the, some of the ideas and the plans and the thoughts we have. Uh, what are some things that you guys are thinking of maybe uh, moving toward or, or helping with. And Dwayne, I may let you go first on this because I know you've got a, a phone call coming. So if you had any practical thoughts on that, um, some of the some of the, sort of the takeaway aspects of it. Well, uh, not to uh, slight Carl Vader's at all, but actually one of my takeaways came from Colin, who's on the call, as he talked about the art of discipleship in a small church congregation. Right, right. And uh, actually just working with individuals where they are and, and helping them, you know, he gave an example, which I won't repeat completely because, uh, but he talked about working with a person who is going into ministry and finding out something about that person. It's like, hey, let's put that ministry stuff on hold till we deal with this. And that's something that we in a smaller church context can do because we're personally with the people. We can walk with them and, and pivot when we realize, hey, you know, this nice little discipleship plan I had really isn't where this person needs to go. Let's change and do what they need. So that's a takeaway for me. Uh, That's good. Thank you, Colin. (laughs) Good job. Yeah, the whole conference was really meant to just kind of broaden out all of that for us. So that's excellent. What's another takeaway, Paul? It was interesting to me. I've been, you have two, Stan, for a long time as a conference junkie. And I go to Eric because we're looking for something, right? Right. This top, what was so interesting about the book, but the conference it highlighted it better somehow, is that I walk, you walk away from there and you realize with where we are, with what we just come through, and what is really needed right now, the, the need of the moment, I am uniquely called and gifted and really good at doing exactly that. Mm-hmm. That's this good. is crazy. So I'm not marginalized. I'm not other than I'm actually in a better situation than my friends truly who who are, are trying to manage these giant budgets and all this other stuff. I got a much better deal right. than they got. And that's not that's not like a jealousy thing. It's just like, wow, <laughs> you know, I, I'm all I'm all right. I'm made for this. And this is exactly what's needed right now. And God's gifted me to do it and I actually really enjoy doing exactly that. And, and there is a success definition that has nothing to do with numbers. Exactly. And that we know that, but we don't believe it. And that idea that 
just you can be healthy and and not be growing and blowing it out the door. <laughs> right. Building new buildings. And I always bought that line. Yeah. I, I bought that forever. Well, if we're healthy, we're going to, then this is going to happen. And it's true in nature. But the church is something different. It's supernatural. It's not natural. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. And I that really that really resonated with me. And like I said, I just came home with like I felt like I could breathe again. Um, we're we're gonna not only are we gonna be okay, we we're in phenomenal shape because God has gifted us. We we know how to do that, and it's what we're really good at, and it's really what our people need right now. That's yeah, good. So it's incredibly affirming. Yeah, and I remember Carl giving us some statistics and some really sort of some here. Here's what people are looking for coming out of COVID, and here's what the church can do. And it's it's very shepherd oriented, small church oriented Mm -hmm. stuff. People are hungry for connected relationships and personal relationships and personal help, and uh, and the small church is built for that when it has a good shepherd. So it's very authentic and real, and that's. That's something over the years that always bugged me. I, I just could never wrap my mind around anything that looked like a contrived program. It, I just right. felt like, Holy Spirit's real. This thing should be natural and real and organic. Mm-hmm. And, and so, that oh, and, and that goes back to the hope you talked about earlier. You, yes. You know, I, I felt like most of us as pastors left that conference with a renewed hope and a strength sure. and an energy uh, that was refreshing. So, and, and, and really it's looking, looking down the road, you know, we've got an opportunity to minister that a lot of churches aren't going to get an opportunity to minister like that because they're not personal enough. And, and I, I just want to get this in before um, we close. <coughs> what I didn't bank on in your conference with the other two sections, the other two, was, the other two sections, you kind of, I felt like you had three things going on. We had Carl, Mm-hmm. It was awesome. But then you had these group discussions right. and you jumped uh, Colin in there for a lot of that. And mm-hmm. he actually did a really good job facilitating that. Right. You did too, causing us to get down because we were going in one direction. You wanted us to go somewhere else and you, you figured out how to bring that back. The discussion was, it got, it got good fast. Right. It got helpful fast. Then the other thing was those stories. Those testimonies, that was, that was amazing. I mean, yeah, that, for, that, was, that was like the, the, the cherry on the cake. It was amazing to hear those. And I thought, well, that was a good, there's no way this next story is going to be as good as that one. <laughs> and every single one, I'm like, my, my mind is just blown. Right. At the power and the beauty of the gospel to, to turn lives upside down. Mm. And, and and both encourage you and also convict you a little bit. Right, right. <laughs> and for the listeners uh, to our podcast at the Shepherd Summit, we, we planned three different testimonies. Uh, I believe it was three. We planned three testimonies of people who've been radically saved from pretty, pretty complicated and hard stuff. And the idea was to let the pastors be reminded of the power and the impact of allowing testimonies in your church. Now, Josh is going to drop the notes to our previous podcast. It was all about letting testimonies and stuff in your, in your services, because if the service is all about me teaching and me doing this and me doing that, and it's all me, then we're not letting other personalities become part of that. And we kind of wrestle with some of that as, as a, 
as pastors yeah. is the, the danger of letting somebody else speak. And what if they say something theologically wrong and then we got to correct it all. And, but, but it's more important really to have those personalities in and to see the presence and the power of God in another person um, that's just kind of raw and real. And uh, the ones we picked, of course, were very authentic and they've been walking with the Lord a little while and very strong in their faith. And uh, they're definitely not perfect, but man, they're gifted. And um, so, and matter of fact, just guys on the podcast, uh, we can drop a link to Johnny Gadsden. We, we interviewed him on this podcast with his story. And so you can hear, rehear his story on our podcast if you want to see what those testimonies were sort of like. So that'd be great. Brother David, what about you? Did you uh, come away with some things you think you need to begin an implementation of that would bless these other pastors that are listening? But I, uh, you know, I came away being, being encouraged and, you know, with all, all what I heard and read. And, and of course I've been listening to Carl on the, on the broadcast and, all that uh, I've been encouraged and all that, and uh, and then just putting things in into in perspective, and you know, and uh, I'm driving home Monday morning, and I was like, now how am I going to present all this to to the church? You know, how am I going to do all this, and uh, what's a good way of doing this? Well, Sunday morning, yesterday morning, uh, Sunday school, and uh, you know, as I found out last Sunday we didn't have no sound system. The, we had a short in our electrical wire that goes out to the church sign. And so we had no power. Our sound room was connected all, all to that. So, so my guest speaker didn't have a, had a microphone, but he has a loud voice. So with that, but anyways, um, so Sunday morning, you know, at Sunday school and somebody said that and asked, well, how was the conference? What did you learn? Oh. So I took 15 minutes and shared uh, what I did. I said, well, this is the open door. And, and so I shared a little bit what, uh, what I was encouraged, you know, the uh, uh, relationship, history, and culture, and let them know this is where we're at right now, that we got to move this culture right. uh, with that. And, and just sharing a little bit more statistics, uh, uh, letting them know that, you know, what Carl was saying, that, uh, you know, the small churches here in the next few years are going to are going to bloom because of the big cities. And I, and I told him, I don't know how it's going to affect Albany, but, uh, but he was saying, you know, the big cities, uh, the corporations are finding out, Hey, people, we don't need to bring these people into, into the office. They can work, work from home. And so, you know, he's sharing that these younger couples are going to probably go out into suburban urban areas and buying houses. And, um, and of course the Gen Z is not all about big. They're looking for more small, as I communicated, they're looking for small, authentic, but updated. And right. I emphasize the updated. <laughs> right, where, right. Where we got to be. Uh, so that's what uh, I shared with the church yesterday. And uh, so, you know, the Lord worked that out, how I can, how I can say all that uh, to them, let them know that, hey, this is what I was encouraged, but this is where we need to go uh, with that. So. That's good. That's good. I, it reminds me of that. And I almost think I used that analogy with your church at one point, Brother David. Um, but it reminds me of the analogy the Lord gave me a while back with our USS Alabama, the battleship sits in our bay here. Um, it's a great 
It's an incredible piece of war history and it's awesome to walk through, but all it takes is about two people to man it. Somebody's got to sell a ticket. Somebody's got to mm-hmm. clean the toilets mm-hmm. and make sure the lights mm-hmm. and air conditioners buttons are on and we're good, but it doesn't ever do what it was intended to do anymore. It just sits like a museum. And some churches right. have become that museum moment where you walk through and I'm struggling with this with a church we're working with now. They keep wanting to take me to these Sunday school rooms that they're not using and, and these walls that have their old missionaries on. They go, look at, look at what we used to do. Look at what we used to do. And I'm like, I'm really not worried about what we used to do. We got to get this church, you know, out of the harbor and back into battle somehow. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, it's going to be not because we're talking about what we used to do, but what we need to do. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I really believe that the church is supposed to be out on the front lines and all of this COVID and re-COVID and whatever's happening now yeah. in our culture. We're supposed to be out on the front lines of this, offering hope and encouragement and peace to people that are panicking and people that are anxious. And we can't do that if we're just going to be a museum. So, mm-hmm. but 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 the guys on the bat, the real battleships, they're trained. They're trained people. That's why I like uh, ministries like custom built with colon and, and, uh, and Johnny Gadsden's training for evangelism and that kind of stuff. Um, I love that because it trains people to, to be the warriors they need to be on the battleship they need to serve on. So, um, we'll, we'll continue to support that. So guys, you got any last thoughts before we close out? Anything? Well, I'm just really thankful that you guys pulled this off. I know, um, it was our first half of your numbers got got cut because of this crazy COVID outbreak. It was really about six guys. So I know it was less than what you were expecting. And the fact that you guys pulled that off, not just pulled it off, but with the, the grace and the incredible, like, like nothing was wasted. There was no fillers. Everything in it was so needful and so affirming and so encouraging, so hope filling. Um, I, I was just the whole way home. I was just thanking God that you guys did it. And That's very kind and of you. Not let numbers discourage you. Yeah, right. Those, those men that were there, we needed, we needed it so bad. Right. And it was such a boost and not a, you know, like a cheerleading boost. It was like a long-term vaccination against discouragement. Sure. Yeah, and I'll just echo with that, Paul. It was a blessing for us to have you guys. One of our goals was to see you blessed. Our church family was really looking forward to meeting these pastors and encouraging them, feeding them, and all the good stuff we did. But then um, for me, it was encouraging to to be around other men that have the same heart. And um, Mm -hmm. I don't think that needs to be 45 or 50. We were, we were, our goal was 20 at the max. And if we saw 30, we were going to try to figure out if we wanted to do something that large. So we really weren't pushing a big number anyway. Um, and I still believe, and I'll put this out on, on podcast for everybody. If you as a local pastor have three or four other five or six other pastors in your community that you're wanting to get some fellowship with and some download time with and do some dialogue and 614 custom built, we'd all be happy to come along in the middle of all that. And let's just talk and we'll, we'll share some of the things we've learned through Carl's ministry and through our long-term ministry with some of these re, uh, revitalize and replant churches we're working with. And, and we'll share all the things not to do. We got a long list of those. Here's what you shouldn't <laughs> do. And, uh, and, and, so, but we, we'd be happy to help with some of that. And we don't need to big. it's not a big show for us. And 614 doesn't need 
a big support for that. We really can just come in on a shoestring and do it for nothing and help you if you're, if you're, uh, if you're needing that. So don't, don't be afraid. Some of you pastors listen, don't be afraid to give us a call on that. So, but you guys were a blessing to us really. And I felt very, very honored to have you with us at the summit. And we're talking about doing it again. Uh, definitely next year. Some of, some people have already started pushing us to do it every six months. <laughs> so, uh, we have a kind of a unique idea on that. So I'm, I'll be bouncing that off every little while. Uh, with another ministry we partnered with a while back and and COVID kind of took it offline for a little bit. But, but I think we can do something where every, every six months we get together as a handful of small pastors and just be encouraged. Man, we love you guys very much. Thanks for taking time, David and, and Dwayne and Paul and Colin. Uh, and then my favorite son, Josh, uh, my favorite oldest son, Josh. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rescuing Churches. We hope you found all the content and dialogue helpful and inspiring. As always, I'm Josh. That's Dan, Paul, David, Dwayne, and Colin, and we will catch you guys next time. You've been listening to Rescuing Churches, a discussion for the local church and its leaders. This show is brought to you by 614 Ministries. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at 614Rebuild and visit us online at 614ministries.org. Also, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Thanks for listening.